I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible with you today, to open up to Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus 26. I want to share a message today entitled, If and Then. If and Then. And today what I want to do, I want to do something very pastoral. It's a little different than what I normally do Sunday morning. It's very pastoral. There's a little bit of prophetic anointing, I think, in what we're doing here today. But today is June 30th, so today concludes the first half of this year. Tomorrow is July 1st, and we head into the second half of the year. How many think this year is really flying by? I know young people say, ah, that's just because you're getting old. No, it's just the truth. But here's the deal. I've sensed in my heart for several days now that it's really important for me to go back to something that God said to us as a church in the first month of this year. And I want to revisit the promises that God extended to us. I want you to notice those words. I want to revisit the promises that God extended to us back at the first of the year. You know, every year we kick off the year and we teach some things that we believe are going to launch us into the new year as a church. And along the way, we share a lot of things. And if you'll remember back in January, if you were around, we did a series of messages called Realignment realigning our lives to make sure we were positioned to walk with God and see him bless every area of our lives. And something happened, and I got to go back to it for a moment. Back in December, I, you know, I have this habit. I read through the Bible. I take one book at a time and I'll read through that book. And back in December, I felt like God just dropped at my heart and said, you need to read Leviticus. Has anybody ever read through all of Leviticus? It's work, okay? I'm the pastor, and I'm telling you, it's work. You know, you're reading all about those offerings, and this offering is this way, and, and there's a lot of similarities and repetition, but there's some new stuff, and I got some good stuff out of it, but there's 27 chapters. And, you know, day after day, I'm plodding through Leviticus saying, Hallelujah, God, this is wonderful, you know? <laughs> just, just plodding my way. But really, the whole time, I'm thinking, I don't know why I'm reading Leviticus. But then I get down to Leviticus 26, and I start reading at verse 1. And all of a sudden, it's like the Holy Spirit said, here's why you're reading Leviticus. And of course, I'm thinking, well, why didn't you just tell me Leviticus 26 and let me skip the first 25, you know? But anyway, that, that's what, some of you are more spiritual than me. I talk to God like that. Anyway, so I read through it, and suddenly it dawned on me. The Holy Spirit began to tell me, this is for the Bridge Church for this coming year. These are promises that I want to make alive in people's hearts. And I want you to hear this. When God makes promises to a church or to a, a group of people, what he does is he pours it upon the church, but it's not just for the church corporately, it's for people individually. Because the church is people. You know, we don't need the anointing of God upon the building and upon the pews and the sound system and the lights. We need the anointing of God upon our lives. So when God makes promises, they're for people. It's not just for us corporately, it's for us individually in everyday life. So today I want to revisit these promises and I want to ask you a couple of questions. In your heart, in your mind, 
Whatever happened to those promises we shared back at the first of the year? What happened to those promises? Do we even remember what they were? Do we remember what they were about? Do we remember where they were found in Scripture? Because I'm telling you, they're important. They're important. And these promises in Leviticus 26, we're going to walk through today. And I'm going to set it up for you. There are 13 verses we're going to read through. We're going to break it into two readings, but we're going to read through 13 verses, verses 1 through 13. The first three verses are instructions for us. After the first three verses, verses 4 through 13 are the promises that I believe God has made alive to us as a church. But here's the thing. Whenever God speaks to us, his instructions and his promises are inseparable. See, if God gives instructions and says, I want you to do this, and when you do, I'm going to do this, you cannot separate the instructions for the promises. If you do, you make the promises null and void. They don't work. We have to put the instructions and the promises together. So I'm going to go back to that today, and I'm going to walk you through that because here's the amazing thing about God. God doesn't put things in fine print where you can't find it. Have you, have, have you ever signed up for something and signed a contract and you know, agreed to spend a certain amount of money for a certain thing, and then one day you find out, wait a minute, that's not what I thought, and you go into the fine print and you find out. It's like your phone plan. Yeah, you've got to do this for two years before you can change it. God's not that way. He doesn't hide things in fine print. He makes things clear so you can live it and act on it, so you can believe him for what he said. So today, let's get into the scriptures and let's begin in Leviticus 26. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen. We're going to start in verse 4. And first, let's look at the promises God's made to us. Verse 4, it starts with this word, then. Everybody say, then. then. Now see, we'll come back and touch on this a little bit later. Then I will give you rain in its season... The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Now, here's why this is important. These scriptures are written in days when agriculture and an agricultural way of life ruled pretty much everybody. People lived off of the land. So in other words, when they needed food, they didn't run down to Ralph's or Albertson's or Vaughn's or somewhere like that. They, they had to go to the fields to get it. So here's what God said. He said, I'm going to give you rain in its season so that your crops grow. Now, let me, let me bring it up to 2019. God says, I'm going to bless what you're doing with your life, your labors, your businesses, the job that you have. I'm going to bless you in that work, and you're going to see everything you need in each season. Things are going to fall into place, and my blessings are going to come to you right on time. When you need things, they're going to be there. How many of you like that idea today? You like that? Okay, let, let's read on. Uh, verse 5, your threshing shall last till the time of vintage. And the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. Now, now pause here. What he's saying is you're going to plant seed. You're gonna, the, the, the wheat's going to grow. The grain's going to grow. You're going to reap it and thresh it. And it's, it's going to last so long, it's going to last all the way through until you start reaping the grape harvest and bringing that harvest in. And that harvest is going to last so long, it's going to be there until you start planting seed in the next season. In other words, the seasons are going to be full and abundant. How many of you like that one? I like that one. 
He goes on and says this. You shall eat your bread to the full. How many like to eat until you're full? I know it's not the thing to do today, but I still like it. And you're going to dwell in your land safely. Verse 6, I will give peace in the land and you shall lie down and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of literally wild beasts and the sword will not go through your land. You're not going to have enemies come in and attack you in your land. That's what he's saying. Verse 7, you will chase your enemies and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. For I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. In other words, the things I promised to you, the things I said I will do, you're going to see those things happen in your life. I'm going to confirm it with you. In verse 10, I really like this one. You shall eat the old harvest and clear out the old because of the new. How many of you would like to have a harvest in your life that is so great that you got to wipe stuff out of your bank account to receive the next harvest? How many of you would like to have more than enough to get to the end of the month so when your next paycheck comes there's money still there and you can be a blessing to other people? Now I know there's three or four agnostic me. I don't know about this stuff. I'll get to you in a minute, okay? Just stay with me. Eat the old harvest and clear out the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you. My soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that you should not be their slaves. I've broken the bands of your yoke and made you walk upright. Now there's a lot there and I don't want to spend a lot of time with it because I want to go to something else in a few minutes. But I want to summarize what these promises say in today's simple language. God has promised to nourish our crops, our labors, what we do with our lives so that everything yields the way it should. He's promised that our harvest would be abundant and complete. He promised that we would have plenty of food and provision. He's promised safety. He's promised peace. He said, you don't have to be afraid of anybody or anything. He promised we would be on the offensive, not the defensive. How many are tired of running and fearing the enemy? How many are ready to just look him in the face and put him in his place? Are you ready for that today? He said, you don't have to be on the defensive. You can go on the offensive. And he promised to be our God, to walk and dwell among us. And he promised to keep us free. I got to tell you, I like those promises. I want to experience those promises. I want to reach up and grab them and hang on to them and say, yes, God, I want this in my life. Is there anybody here that would like to be a part of this? I want this. I want this. I want this in my life. Let me ask you a question. Why do we struggle with these kinds of promises? Why do we struggle with this? When God says, I want to bless your life, I want to give you enough and more than enough so you can be a blessing to others and not worry about things. Why do we struggle with this? Oh, I know theologians have messed up a lot of people. By, by the way, a theologian is someone who studies God. There are theologians who study God and don't even know who God is. They don't know him personally. They study about him and they write books about it. Why do we listen to people who don't agree with God's word? 
Why do we listen to people who tell us God's word is not true? Why is that? Why do we struggle with the idea that God wants to bless us? Everybody look right here, real close. God wants to bless every area of your life. You're his children. I'm not preaching a foolish, silly gospel today. I'm telling you what scripture says. Let me tell you a story. Several years ago, when I first came back to pastor the church here, we'd only been here a few months, a little over a year maybe. And on Wednesday nights, we were still having Wednesday night Bible study before we went to small groups. And so I would teach on Sunday, and then Wednesday night, I would unpack what I taught Sunday and really spend a lot of time with it, make it really clear to people, walk through things. One Wednesday night, there there was a group of young adults who walked in and sat on the back row. I didn't know them, but I taught that night. And when service was over, as I was kind of mixing among the people, I had a chance to meet a couple of them, and I said hi to them, introduced myself, so forth. One of the young guys said, can I talk to you? I said, sure. So we walked down front to visit, and he said, This is my first time here, but I just want you to know I don't agree with a lot of stuff you guys teach here. Well, now now keep in mind, 10 years ago, I mean, I'm a young man now. I was really young then, but I was old enough. (laughs) I was old enough that I should have had a little bit of respect, but put that aside. I said, really? What did I say tonight that you had trouble with? He said, no, nothing tonight. I said, well, what is it I teach here that you struggle with? Well, I don't know for sure. I said, well, wait a minute. You just told me you don't agree with the stuff we teach here. What are you talking about? Give me something. What is it I've taught? Have you ever heard me before? He said, no, this is the first time I've ever heard you. (laughs) And then he began to tell me the story. He said, I'm a Bible school student. And I've heard things about you guys here. And I don't agree with it. And I said, okay, well, can you give me one example? He said, well, I don't believe in all this stuff about blessing and blessing and God wanting to prosper us. I said, okay. I said, well, let me ask you this. Why are you going to Bible school? How many of you know if somebody's in school, you need to ask them why they're going to school? When I went to school, my goal was to get out of school. And I, and I, and I made it. But I, I thought, okay, why are you going to Bible school? He said, I want to be a missionary to Africa. I said, wow, that's awesome. Have you ever been to Africa? No. When are you going? I don't know. I hope, I hope to go someday, but that's what I want to do. And I said, well, okay, well, let me ask you a couple questions because just so you know, I've been to Africa. At that time, I'd been three times. I said, I've been to Africa three times. So let me ask you, how are you going to get to Africa? He said, I don't know. I said, okay, let me ask you this. Have you ever checked on what it costs to fly to Africa? He said, No. I said, well, let me tell you what it cost me the last time I went. And I told him, and his eyes got big. He said, wow, really? I said, yeah, it's expensive to fly to Africa. Huh. I said, how are you going to get there? I don't know. Do you have money for a ticket? No. I said, well, do you know how much it costs to live once you get there? He said, not really. I said, well, you know, it's not like here in the U.S., but it's still, it's going to cost you money every month. You got to have food. You got to have a place to live. How are you going to do that? I don't know. And I said, well, wouldn't it be nice if God called you to go to Africa, that there was a promise he'd made to provide for you? I said, let me tell you something. If you're going to make it to Africa, somebody's going to have to be blessed somewhere. Somebody's got to prosper somewhere. Either you got to get a job and make the the money yourself, or somebody's got to bless you. Somebody's got to pay the bill. And some people sit back and say, well, I just have a hard time buying into all this stuff about God wanting to bless every area of our lives. Why? 
Why? If we're going to accomplish the mission he's called us to, to accomplish, if we're going to finish his work, why do we have trouble believing that he would provide the things that we need to do it? See, nobody even answered me. Nobody, so, so therefore, I, I'm going to assume you're in agreement with me, okay? So let's move forward with this. Why do we struggle? Why do we struggle believing God wants to bless my life, my business, the labor of my hands when he's promised all over his word to do that? Why? God's blessing our church. Why would you not believe that God wants to bless your life? He's promised it. Now, let's go back to Leviticus 26. Go to verse 1. Because we're going to look at these three verses real quickly. Look at the instructions God has given us here. Verse 1 you shall not make idols for yourselves. Neither a carved image nor a sacred pillar shall you rear up for yourselves. Nor shall you set up an engraved stone in your land to bow down to it. For I am the Lord your God. Verse 2. Now there's two things in verse 2. Look at these two things. They go together. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. For I am the Lord. Verse 3, if, everybody say if. Yes. Remember earlier I had you read that word then in verse 4? The verse before it, verse 3, starts with if. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments. In other words, if you follow my instructions and perform them, if you live them out, verse 4 begins with, then I will. See, verse 3 starts out, if you will... Verse 4, God says, then I will. That's where we get our message title, if and then, if and then. If you keep your part of the covenant, I am more than able to keep my part of the covenant. Now, let me walk you through th some things real quickly. As you study the Bible, you're going to find that God's promises are often accompanied by an if and then you see it all over scripture it's not unusual it's very very common there's an if and a then what it's what i call a principle and a promise god says here's the principle you apply that to your life you walk in it and here's the blessing that's going to happen in your life now in our church world today so many people have overdosed on grace that they don't even understand the instructions of god's word Every time God does something new in the church world, people run to extremes and get lost in the extremes where they don't need to be. The truth of the matter is, throughout Scripture, God says, if and then. Here's a principle, here's the promise that goes with it. Don't separate them. Now, let me show this to you. This tends to be the formula that God gives us to experience the fulfillment of His promises. He asks us for our faith, and for our obedience, to walk with him, walk in his word, walk in his ways. Now, let me illustrate this for you real quickly, okay? I'm going to do this fast. Here's a very well-known scripture from the Old Testament. 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. There's an if and a then. John 15, 7. Here's what Jesus said. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, if 
then you will ask what you will and it will be done for you. It's an if and a then. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. See, there's faith. There's obedience that God asked for. Here's the instructions. If you need something, if you desire something, pray and ask for it and then you believe for it and you will receive what you believe for. That's the principles from God's word. Now, let me, let me illustrate it another way. I'm going to put this scripture on the screen because everybody should know this scripture. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, look at the first part of that verse. For by grace you've been saved through faith. One statement. How many of you believe we're saved by grace? How many of you believe we're saved by grace and faith? How many don't know and you're afraid to raise your hand because you're afraid I'll make fun of you? <laughs> what does the scripture say? For by grace we've been saved through faith. By grace we've been saved. See, people say, well, you start teaching this stuff and it becomes legalism. It becomes works. It's not really faith and it's not really grace. No, it's absolutely faith. Because faith is obedience and obedience is faith. Faith is believing what God said, following him, and letting him be God in our lives. Now, having said that, let me illustrate this verse to you. Leave it up here for just a minute. For by grace you're saved. What does God do by grace? He extends to us forgiveness. He extends to us eternal life. He says, I will put you in my family. I will make you one of my children. I put my own son on a cross to pay for your past so you can have his future. So here you go. Here's all of this for you. But that means nothing unless you believe it and accept it. By grace you're saved when you reach up and say, I believe, and you grasp what God has extended to you. Now listen closely to me. That's the way this life with God begins, and that's the way it continues for the rest of your life. God extends a promise in grace. We reach up and grasp it by faith. The rest of your life, it's that way. See, that's why three or four times in Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, it says the just shall live by their faith. We live by our faith. We walk into God's kingdom because grace is extended in a promise. How did you get saved? God made a promise. I will save you. I believe you. And when you believe and you grab hold of it, you begin to experience salvation. In the rest of your life, it's grace and faith, grace and faith. God is continually extending promises of grace to us, but it's still up to us to reach up and grasp and, and grab what God has extended to us. It's my responsibility see john 3 16 says for god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life it takes faith to grasp the promise of god let me give it to you this way romans 10 13 whoever calls on the name of the lord will be saved you see to experience salvation there's an act of faith that we, that we have to involve ourselves in to receive anything else from God, we need to have acts of faith in obedience to God. Now, I know there are times he just drops grace gifts in our lives. I know that. But as a rule, God wants us to believe his promise 
and grab it by faith and obey him and follow him and let him then pour his blessings into our lives. So in Leviticus 26, what is God asking of us? I told you already, I love those promises. I see God doing those things in our church as a whole. But I'm a pastor. I want to see God do these things in your lives individually. I want to see you blessed like you've never been blessed before. I want to see God do all the things that every day you're saying, wow, God is great, God is amazing. I would never turn and walk another direction. I believe God, he's done so many things, I can't walk away. I want you to enjoy the blessings of God. I want you to experience it. So what is God asking of us? Three things. Number one, let him be your God. Make him your God. Now see, here's the interesting thing. When, when God gave the Ten Commandments, way back in Exodus, he says, I am the Lord, I am God, there is nobody else. How many of you believe that there's only one God, and that's the God of the Bible? You believe that? That's what the Bible teaches. It's not a trick question either. That's what the Bible teaches us. He's the only God. In the scripture, it says everything else that claims to be God, it's just an idol. It's just something somebody has invented. It's death. It's dumb. It's powerless. It can do nothing. There's only one God. But here's the problem. The fact that there's only one God means nothing unless you make him your God. See, even demons believe, but they tremble and they refuse to submit their lives. Have you made God your God? Have you said, okay, I believe you know the way. I'm going to learn your ways and follow you. Have you made God your God? Number two, he says, keep my Sabbaths. Now, there's two parts to this. I, I, when I read it, I showed you that. Let me show you here. The second thing he says, keep my Sabbaths and reverence my house, my tabernacle. He put these two together. I taught on this back in January. Some of you don't know this. There, there are 10 commandments, okay? I think everybody hopefully knows that one, but maybe not. There are 10 commandments. One of them is to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, to use it for the purpose that God intended. The purpose of the Sabbath is to recharge our batteries, rejuvenate us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually God said set aside one day a week to recharge your batteries and to find the rest that you need in every area of your life one day a week he called it a Sabbath it's a rest God created on the seventh day he rested he gave us the example he set the pace for us but what he literally says here is he says keep my Sabbath the word keep here means to guard and to protect. You know, I, I give you this statistic all the time. It's changing, but it's said in America today, the average Christian, person who claims to be Christian, the average Christian goes to church less than two times a month. And I have to ask, is the average Christian honoring a Sabbath? I think not. Is that one day a week important? God said it was. And then here's what he connects to it. And he said, and reverence 
my house. Now, I know the arguments. You don't have to go to church to know God. I know that. But I'm going to flip it over and tell you something. There are things that happen in God's house that don't happen anywhere else. There are things that happen here. I can take you all the way back to the Old Testament. Remember the story of Jacob? Jacob's going to meet his brother. He knows his brother's mad and may kill him. He stops to sleep for the night before he meets his brother the next day. He lays down and puts his head on a stone to sleep. And he thinks he's just out in the middle of nowhere. In the night, he has this dream, and he sees a ladder let down from heaven, and he sees the angels of God ascending and descending from heaven down to earth, back and forth. He wakes up the next morning. He says, oh, my goodness, this place is awesome. There's no place like this place. He said, this is the house of God. He named the place Bethel, which means house of God. He says, this is the house of God, and I didn't even know it. Then he makes this statement. He said, this is the house of God. It's the gate the door to heaven. See, I read to you a bunch of promises earlier that sounds like heaven coming to earth. I want heaven to come to earth in my life. Jesus said to pray for heaven to come to earth. And yet Jesus tied to it. It goes all the way back to the beginning when God first established his house, that this is the door to heaven. And I'm going to tell you something, friends. Things happen in church that don't happen anywhere else. That's why Hebrews tells us don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Why? Because things happen here that you're not going to experience anywhere else. It's just God's way. He said, honor my Sabbaths, but reverence my house. And that word reverence means to revere, even to the point of having a moral fear for God's house, understanding the importance of God's house. It's the door to heaven. Can I go one step further here? Do you know why it's so important for you to be in God's house? Same reason why it's important for me to be here. We need it. There's encouragement that comes here. Did you know the leaders of the church, those that God has called to speak and to give us wisdom and direction for our lives, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, did you know that God pours an anointing upon their lives to help us better understand how to walk with God? You don't just get that on the internet and anywhere. You get it in God's house from people who are anointed to give that to you. And you come to church and you can encourage people and people can encourage you. I say it all the time. You need to be here every Sunday if possible because there are people here who need what you've got and what God has given you. You need to be a blessing to other people and you can do that in God's house. You can find your place. And then there's a third thing that he asks of us. He said... Learn my word, learn my statutes, my commandments, learn my instructions, and just walk it out and live it. Yeah, God doesn't ask much. He doesn't ask much. And he says, if you do this, I'll pour all this blessing into your life. So let me ask you two questions. For those of you who were here at the first of the year when I read these scriptures, what did you do with those promises? Well, let me update it. What are you going to do now with these promises? I believe this is what God is saying to us as a church this year. I want you to get in on the blessing of God. I want you to experience it for yourself. What do you do when somebody makes you a promise? What do you do when somebody makes you a promise? 
I'm looking around the building this morning trying to find a really good candidate to use for an illustration here. And everybody's saying, oh, Jesus, not me. Don't let him embarrass me. Amber, I'll use you because I know you won't get offended. Stand up. I've already made fun of her husband today, so. Now, this is hypothetical. It means it's not real. It's just make-believe, okay? If I were to tell you, Amber, I feel like God wants me to buy you and Corey a house and give you a house debt-free. What would you say to that? She'll take it. <laughs> now, if I told her that, she, she'd walk away and say, eh, you can't believe Pastor Gary. Eh, he didn't mean that. Eh, yeah, right, I'll believe it when I see it. That's what a lot of people do with God's promises. Eh, yeah, we'll see. Amber, what would you do with that promise? I'll tell you what she'd probably do in her real nice way. I know what Corey would do. He'd be on my doorstep every morning wondering where the keys were. <laughs> Is today the day? Is today the day? You can sit down. Now let me give you one more illustration. I'm almost finished. Back about two and a half, three months ago, Ann and I have been talking about this. You know, we, we have our son, Zach, who's on staff here. He's on vacation this week. Then we have a son, Zane, and his wife, Olivia. They live up in the state of Washington. <clears throat> they have two little boys, Wyatt and <clears throat> Maverick. Pardon me. Wyatt and Maverick, and cutest little guys. And we miss our grandsons. The kids, that's one thing. But the, grand, the grandkids, we really miss them. <laughs> so one day I called them up. I said, hey, here's the deal. In about six or eight weeks, we got Memorial Day coming up. You get some extra time off the weekend. Work your schedule around it. If you guys can come down, we really want to see you. We will pay your way to come down here and spend however many days you can spend. We'll feed you, take care of everything. We want you to come hang out with us. We just want to see you guys. So go find some airfares, look online, find out what days you get off work, when you can come, when you have to go back, find the flights that work, find the best deal you can, then let me know and I'll take care of it. A few days passed and I hadn't heard anything and I contacted him again. I texted him and said, hey, have you been checking? Well, yeah, we've been checking, but it's a little bit expensive. I said, find it, find it, and let's get it booked now. The later you, or the longer you wait, the more it's going to cost me. So please, find something now. A day or two later, they sent me a text. We found these flights on these days at these times. This works best with our schedule. We can stay like five or six days. It's going to work out great. I said, okay, go book the flights. And here's the deal. If you need my credit card, I'll give you my credit card number, and, and, and I'm not going to give it to you publicly. But I'll, <laughs> I'll give you my credit card. You can use it, or you can put it on your card, and I will reimburse you and send you a check, give you cash, whatever you want me to do. Just book it now. You know what they did? They booked it. And they came and stayed with us for like six days. It was awesome. But it's amazing how many times God says, you know what? I promise to do this for you. Just go book it. Here's what you need to do. If you go do this, it'll book it. I could have missed seeing my boys, my son, my grandson, my, my, my daughter. I could have missed all of that if they hadn't been willing to follow through. Do you know how many times we rob God of the privilege of blessing us? He wants to bless us, but we say, eh, 
These preachers are crazy. This prosperity stuff, this stuff of him wanting to bless every area of our lives. Let me tell you something. Some of you today need to get to your feet and say, God, I want this. I want this. I want this in my life. God wants to bless you. I want to pray a prayer right now. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for you today. Please, nobody's moving the next few minutes. Let's be real still. Father, I pray for these people right now, your church, your family. God, you would grab our hearts, stir our hearts today. Encourage us with your promises. Help us to have faith to believe the promises you've made. To believe that you want to do everything that you say in your word. Father, we want your promises. God, don't let it be like a dream. Let it be the words of God speaking to us today. Father, let an excitement come about in our hearts that we will look at your instructions and say, yes, Lord, I'll make you my God. I will honor your house and reverence your house and set aside the time to spend with you weekly. God, I'll learn your ways and I'll walk in your ways and I believe you're going to bless every area of my life. God, do that in us today. Father, I'm asking you to do what you've already promised, open the windows of heaven and pour out greater blessing we've ever experienced before so that we can be a blessing to our community and to our world. While heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed, maybe you're here today and you've listened to this and you thought, wow, that's awesome, that's great. I would love to have God do some stuff like that for me, but I don't even know God. I've never had an encounter with God. I've never asked God into my life. I've never asked God to get involved with me. Maybe you're sitting there today saying, man, I don't want religion. I don't want to give you religion, but I want to help you come into a relationship with God that loves you so much he put his own son on a cross to bring you into his family. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, man, I wish God would get involved in my life. He will. If you'll just say yes to him today and invite him into your life. It all begins, this whole thing begins with an invitation, words on our part. We call it prayer, but it's just talking to God. It's words, it's communication. Asking God to come into our lives. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. I'm just going to ask you to just use my words, but wrap your heart and your faith around these words. and Just open your heart to God today and ask Him into your life. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this right out loud. Join me right now, everybody. Say, God, I need you. And I want you in my life. I want to know you. I want to be in your family. I want all of your blessings. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. So from this day forward, I want to be your child. I want you to be my father. I want to learn your ways. And I want to see your hand at work in my life. Thank you for receiving me today. Amen. That's the most important prayer you can pray in all of your life. Open your heart to God and give God a chance to work. But it's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning of the journey. It's just the start. Here's the thing. You may have a hundred questions. You may have a thousand questions. You may be overwhelmed thinking, I don't even know how to start this. 
we've got a little booklet, a little tool called the next seven days. It's just information, a little bit of reading for each next seven days before next Sunday to help you get started walking with God and start building a relationship. It addresses a lot of different things. It's very simple. We want to give this to you. It's our gift to you. It's a tool that will help you. When we finish here in just a couple of minutes, there'll be prayer teams at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. They have these booklets. If you just walk up and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you there. No strings attached. If you just want to get it and go, that's fine. No problem. We don't ask anything of you. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something, they'll pray with you. If you just want to get it and go, great. If you're in a really big rush out in the lobby, just before you exit the glass doors right in the middle, there's a counter set up there. You can get the same booklet there. Just walk up and ask for it. No strings attached. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. And give Pastor Nick a good hand as he comes. Thanks, Pastor Gary, for that great word. You know, in thinking of, of our giving time today, and thinking of the phrase, if and then, I was reading Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10, and it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. How many of you would enjoy some overflowing barns? But it's an if-then. If you do this, then this will happen. There's a step of faith, a step of action that we must take. So today as we give, they're going to put on the screen the different ways that you can give. Choose a way that works for you. But trust the Lord. You know, one of the things that I've learned is that you can never outgive God. You give to God, and He's going to give you even more. You give to God, He's going to even give you more. Trust that. Lean into that. And He will show Himself faithful because He is always faithful and true. In a moment, we're going to watch church news. Our ushers are going to come down, and they're going to pass the bucket towards you. As always, we want to thank you for your generosity. Thank you for trusting us when you give here, know that, that what you're doing is making an impact. Today, you saw 22 people getting baptized. How incredible is that? A full family got baptized today. How incredible is that? And you're all a part of that. When you give here, it reaches out to the world, to our missions endeavors across the seas and even what we're doing in this local community. So thank you so much as we Take this time to give. Thank you, and let's watch church news. Good morning, and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Nicole, and I want to give you a very special welcome today. We hope that you feel right at home this morning and that you and your family have a wonderful time with us. There's always a lot happening at The Bridge, and we would love for you to be involved. So here's a look at a few things coming up in the days ahead. We hope you'll find your place and be a part of what God is doing here at The Bridge. Connecting Point is happening next Sunday morning during the 1130 service. If you are new to The Bridge or looking to get plugged in, Connecting Point is the first place to go. Come and hear about the heart, mission, and vision of The Bridge Church, but most importantly, discover where you fit in. We would love to meet you and help you find your place. If you'd like to join us, just sign up before you go today at the Info Center. You can also sign up on our website, thebridgechurch.tv, or through the Bridge app. 
We hope you'll join us next Sunday morning at 11.30 at Connecting Point. Today is the last day to register for All Aboard Bridge Kids Day Camp. Don't miss this opportunity where kids will connect with kids and most importantly, kids will connect with God and discover that they too can do right in His sight. It's going to be an awesome adventure and some fun in the sun. So visit thebridgechurch.tv or the Bridge app and get them signed up today. If you are new to the Bridge, we want to personally invite you to stop by the Info Center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come and say hi. Our team would love to meet you and help you get connected in church life. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. For more general info and to stay up to date, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. You can also stay plugged in by downloading the Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app, to 77977. Thanks again for spending your morning with us. We love spending our Sundays with you. Hey, just a few reminders as, as we leave today. If you got baptized today, we want to say how proud of you that we are. What an amazing day. And we also want to remind you that right out here, there's a little photo booth set up so you can take a picture and just uh, put it all over social media. We'd love for you to tag us in that as well. Also, if you have children, Kids Camp is coming today. Everyone say today. Today is the last day to register, so please make sure you do that online, on the web, or on our app, all right? God bless everybody. Have an incredible afternoon.